What's going on, guys? In this episode, we are going to talk about the wild card round of the playoffs and uh, take a quick little look ahead to the divisional round. Nothing, nothing too detailed, but yeah, let's discuss these games. So the Colts at the Bills. Bills beat them 27-23. And for for Indy, this game just really came down to a few missed opportunities. You know, I thought that on that fourth down that Frank Wright went for it, I, as much as I know a lot of fans and analytics people are going to like that when you lose 3 yards or whatever it was 3 4 yards on that on that third and goal carry from the one to me that takes going for it off the table that is a tough throw and catch to make especially not just the play call i don't i don't mind the play call if rivers would have made a more accurate throw i think pitman catches that but the point being like i understand the thought process behind it but you've got a re- you've got an opportunity to take the points to go up by six there, and what ended up happening was that served as an opportunity for Buffalo to really um, make that defensive stand, you know, and then carry and build some momentum and kind of a uh, those are the types of missed opportunities, and then you give the ball back to an offense that's been red hot. Ninety five yards is no big deal to them. Uh, Buffalo was just Buffalo made plays, even though they weren't necessarily the most consistent team in this game, they made plays. And when they got in the red zone, they scored touchdowns. Indianapolis had that failed uh, conversion. They, They missed some field goals. It was just a rough day for Indy because they had every opportunity to steal this game in a game that um, I mean, like I said, they had every opportunity to steal it. So it's unfortunate for them. And uh, look on the bright side though, Philip Rivers did not turn the ball over. Michael Pittman looked very good. You know, he was a a young player that's really showing that he's going to develop into a very good, very good receiver and a guy that I think that you'll be able to, just a quick fantasy note, you'll be able to get him next year in fantasy relatively, I think, cheap for what you'll be getting because T.Y. Hilton is a free agent after this season. I'm about 90% sure on that. And um, I'm not sure he'll be coming back because they have Pittman now and Pittman might be the wide receiver one there moving forward. So he's a guy that I like early on in fantasy, depending on where he's being drafted, but um, for next season, but uh, overall, there were some good things in, in Indianapolis, but it just, unfortunately for them, it was not enough. And when you miss those opportunities, you know, and Phillip Rivers missed a couple of other throws. So even though he didn't turn the ball over and he really played a clean game, a good game overall, he missed a couple throws here and there that were just like backbreaking. It turned out that they were backbreaking. So unfortunate for them. Josh Allen, on the other hand, um, starts slow in this game. Really, he started off kind of slow. Was He tends to do that a little bit like he did it against Pittsburgh, and I've seen him do it in many other games in his career where he just, in big games and against you know good teams and big moments, he'll start a little slow, and then he'll kind of get it together as the game goes on. He's a guy that, similar to Cam Newton, where once he establishes some rhythm in his game, then he's good. Right. But sometimes early on in games, he will struggle. So he did a little bit of that early in this game. And then all of a sudden he calmed down and things got rolling for Buffalo. And Josh Allen was awesome. Finished 26 of 35, 324 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks. And then it also and this is something that I'm not thrilled about if I'm rooting for the Bills, which I kind of am because I love them. Uh, 11 carries for 51 yard, or 54 yards and a touchdown. Josh Allen was their leading runner. So I wanted them to be able to get some sort of run game going with Singletary and Moss just because those are the running backs after all. And, and as much as Allen running is a real weapon for them, um, I think that it's important to also – I don't mind Allen getting 11 carries a game. I'll just say that right now. I have no issue with it. As a matter of fact, I would encourage that. But – 
I also want to see Singletary and Moss be able to, you know, combine for 100 yards. I think that's important for their success because if they get it all going like that, it's just so difficult to stop with that defense, uh, to stop that offense. I mean, and Stephon Diggs again was awesome. Proved that he was just a phenomenal um, acquisition for them this offseason. Six catches, 128 yards, and a touchdown. And uh, yeah, man, I think Buffalo. Their defense was good again. They were able to make plays when they needed to make plays. And really and truly, that with, with an offense like they have, if their defense in every game they play, so that means next week against Baltimore, um, if they ever play Kansas City this in, in these playoffs, I think that's very important in that game. This defense, if they can just do one thing, and that's make a couple of big plays, you know, not necessarily turnovers, but just third down stops in a critical situation, right, on the, on, the, on their own 40, when the other team's on their own 40, force a punt. Force a couple punts in big moments and to end drives and uh, maybe a fourth down stop or two and things like that. I think that is crucial for them. And, and if they do that, they can definitely, definitely beat anybody, and that includes Kansas City. But, um, yeah, I think let's speak on the matchup for next week. The Baltimore Ravens, I think, are the one of the toughest matchups for these Bills. So, uh if I had to pick a winner right now, it, you know, I, I think Buffalo will be favored. I think Buffalo should be favored in that game. But I also believe that that is a very dangerous game for them because what can Baltimore do? They can cover and they can generate pressure because here's the thing. They can cover one-on-one -on, -one on the back end. So if that's the case, which in this matchup against Buffalo, that's going to be a very difficult task. But which I almost feel like that's a, the biggest key to that game is can that Baltimore secondary match up well enough with the with the Bills wide receivers to be able to generate a ton of or to be to allow them to bring a bunch of pressure on Josh Allen if they're able to do that um it's gonna be difficult for Buffalo to score as we saw last season when they played and I understand that was a very different Josh Allen but if you look at that game they really just were like we can cover you on the back end and we're going to heat you up up front, bring a bunch of different blitzes at you, a lot of zero, you know, and that's the kind of thing that Stefan Diggs allows you to be able to counter punch sort of um, in, for this matchup. So we're going to need, if we're Buffalo, we're going to need a big performance out of Stefan Diggs in that one. And uh, we're going to need Josh Allen to take care of the football. And I think that's kind of um, the thing there. And then that Ravens running game against this Bills, much improved Bills run defense lately, but as we saw towards the end of that Colts game, Buffalo still has some vulnerabilities defending the run. So that that's uh, those are the two things I'm looking forward to most in that one. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great game next week. Let's move on to the Rams over the Seattle Seahawks, 30 to 20. Wow. Um, so it's, to me, I thought it was real strange that that Goff was active but not starting. It's it to me. I, I'm not quite sure uh, why that was the case, but it was the case. And hey. To be fair, I didn't think there was any chance Goff was playing with a broken thumb in his throwing hand. So um, it's not like he lit it up, 9 of 19, 155 yards and a touchdown. But the Rams pose a big problem for Seattle, and I think Seattle's going to have to address this next season and moving forward. Uh, look, the Rams can defend you. You know, if you've only got, and, that, and I don't like to say only to this because it's one of the better wide receiver tandems in the NFL, but if your 90% of your threat offensively is – DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and you're doing that against the Rams where they have you know Jalen Ramsey and the uh, Phillips I think his name is Darius Phillips that or, or Darius Williams one of the two but that kid just kind of burst on the scene this year and he's been one of the better corners in the NFL so that right there and I know DK got his in this matchup but that made that makes things very difficult for Seattle to be able to um to hurt them and and 
the Rams can also defend the run. So when you couple that with the fact that Seattle's been a top five run defense all season long, the Rams ran the ball 43 times at them with zero fear. Uh, uh, and Cam Akers, of course, went off 28 carries, 131 yards and a touchdown. He also had two catches for 45 yards. So that's a total of 30 touches for Akers for 176 yards and a touchdown. And that's compared to so 43 runs compared to 28 dropbacks, 25 actual pass attempts. So the the philosophy, as much as everybody wants to make out Sean McVay to be this, you know, um, new age kind of play calling genius, which I, I'm not debating, I'm not doubting the, you know, great play caller that he is. But what I'm saying is people don't credit him enough for, or they don't talk about enough the fact that he is very old school in his approach. He's just like, let's run the ball at you when it's in big games. We've seen him do this, especially in their Super Bowl run. It was a ton of running the football right at you. And uh, yeah, man, so the Rams, just fortunately for them, they found themselves in a matchup where they knew they could win because of their defense. And uh, they know that how they match up specifically against Seattle. Aaron Donald dominated. And uh, look, Russell Wilson was 11 of 27, 174 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. 11 of 27 is... um, I don't know if I've ever seen Russell maybe just two or three times in his career with with a uh, completion quite like that. So they're going to need this offseason. I think Seattle is going to need, obviously, if they can get improvements on the defensive end of the ball, the defense side of the ball, that would be good for them. But I think most importantly for them is maybe they need to add one more guy, Antonio Brown, you know, somebody like that on the offensive side of the ball that can come in there and um, be a guy that can win one-on-one when when Lockett and uh, Metcalf have their hands full. So that will be interesting to see how that plays out. Next week, we've got the Rams at the Green Bay Packers. That's the number one scoring defense against the number one scoring offense. Um, if you look at the history of that matchup in the playoffs, number one defense versus number one offense, um, most of the time, the number one defense wins that, that matchup. So the most recent example I can think of is my Carolina Panthers against the Denver Broncos in 2015 Super Bowl. Um, and of course, the Broncos won that one. So not saying that the Rams are going to win that game, but I am saying if the Rams match up well against Seattle, there's a very decent chance they could match up pretty well against Green Bay too, especially against the Green Bay receivers. Um, Jalen Ramsey against Devontae Adams is going to be a really, really uh, fun and interesting matchup to watch next week. So I cannot wait for that. And Aaron Donald just pressuring Aaron Rodgers is going to be some fun stuff too. So hopefully Jared Goff um, heals up and gets closer to 100% because that game, if Goff, especially if Goff is healthy, that will be a really, really fun game to watch. Okay, Buccaneers beat the Washington football team 31-23. to Tom Brady... 22 of 40, so not a great completion percentage, but he was like hot and cold in parts of this game. 381 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks. So just so you guys understand, 22 completions for 381 yards, that means he averaged 17.3 yards per completion. Um, Evans, Godwin, and Antonio Brown averaged 19 yards per catch. They didn't have a ton of volume in terms of how many receptions they had. I think it was like 13, but... When every time they completed the pass, the average was 19 yards. So that's that's impressive. Um, they were able to run the football pretty well. Leonard Fournette came in there, 19 for 93 and a score. Keyshawn Vaughn looked all right too um, in his touches. And uh, and look on the bright side for the Washington football team is there's no quit in that team. They have a very bright future. If they can get some more playmakers on offense and and uh, you know maybe even improve somewhat in terms of their cornerbacks because that was obviously where Tampa was able to really 
be, you know, get, get them is where they uh, when they had to, when Brady had time to throw, he was able to to hurt them deep down the field. So if they can add a, a good cornerback to that group and um, and add some playmakers on offense, this Washington football team. And of course, they're going to have to still figure out the quarterback thing because I don't think Heineke is the long term answer. He might be. I'm not. I'm. You know, I'd love for that to happen. I love the kid, but um, Washington. What I'm getting at is they're about three or four players away, which is very attainable to happen in one offseason, but definitely attainable in two offseasons um, to be a legit Super Bowl contender. So I think their fans, and I think their fans understand this, that they need to be excited about this team moving forward. Ron Rivera has uh, immediately installed a culture there. And this is the difference, and this is why I like getting these coaches that have already had a uh, round one, especially a guy like Rivera, who's been successful. What Rivera was in Carolina for nine years, you know, made the playoffs four or five of those years, and it took the it took him a couple of years in Carolina to actually get things rolling for them. It took I think year three was when he finally made the playoffs. But um, in Washington, when you, with his experience, he had to draw on even with going through chemotherapy and things like that. He was able to immediately, uh, you know, kind of get things rolling there on the right track. In, uh, you know, right off the bat. So I know they only finished seven and nine, seven and ten on the season, including the playoffs. But they beat some good teams. They did some really good things, some very encouraging things. They did it with a multitude of quarterbacks. I mean, this Washington team—it's in 2020, right? 2021 now to be able to win games with basically anybody at quarterback. And that's no disrespect to Heineke. Like I said, I love the way he played. He played phenomenally well. I'm going to talk about him in a second. But the way Rivera has just Net, always instilled belief in his team and and always been able to manufacture victories in offense. And and uh, that's impressive, man. And, and Washington has a very, very bright future. And um, yeah, let's talk about them for a second with Tyler Heineke. 26 of 44, 306 yard, touchdown one pick. And then he also had six carries for 46 yards and a touchdown. So that touchdown run from him was awesome. Unbelievable pocket presence. And then the ability to really show some athleticism and kind of uh, – explode his way to the end zone diving from the four yard line that was just awesome and uh yeah it was definitely a touchdown and the kid made some good throws made a bunch of good throws made a bunch of plays with his legs as i said six carries for 46 yards but it wasn't just those it was it was just being able to escape pressure and extend plays as well so overall man i think that uh he played a hell of a game i was very impressive very impressed with his with his performance and um yeah man uh overall i'm excited for washington's future and i'm also very much excited for tampa bay at new orleans round three can new orleans beat this team a third time uh which of course has never happened to tom brady i'm not even sure if twice has happened to brady but you know can they can they beat him for a third time for all the marbles so it's like uh, brady i believe even mentioned on one of his social media posts the other day that he's i think he said something like I'm pretty sure I know who I want to play next week. And uh, I'm pretty sure he was talking about the Saints to get that that third time's a charm kind of opportunity. And it's I, I almost feel for the Saints here because, you know, of course, they'll be the favorites, at least slightly. But you're now, this is not Brady in week one. And this is the Brady that played you last. That was the last part of the, that we've seen so far of the like, you know, Brady's still kind of getting things rolling with his new teammates and his new offense and things like that. Since that game, Brady's been pretty much lights out. So that is going to be tough to deal with for New Orleans, and especially now to do it a third time. That's very difficult. But 
this New Orleans team with this nucleus of players, Kamara, Breeze, Peyton, they did beat the Carolina Panthers uh, a few years ago three straight times. So it's not like it's something that they haven't done before. They have done it before. And, um, yeah, so it's very much possible for them to do it again this week. All right, Ravens beat the Tennessee Titans 20-13 to on the first game of the Sunday matchups. Um, Lamar in this game was awesome. His passing numbers weren't spectacular. He had under 200 yards passing. I get that. But the kid had 16 carries for 136 yards and a touchdown. And I thought the game-changing play, and this is why Lamar Jackson is, you know, it's sort of like with Cam Newton all those years ago. You didn't have to look at – it, you didn't when you looked at the stats, they don't really tell the whole story. This third down play where he was about to be sacked for like the fifth time in the first half, and instead of a sack, he escapes the pocket, makes a guy miss, and then outruns the entire defense, the entire secondary uh, to the end zone and turns a what would have what would have resulted in a punt because they were at like midfield, maybe on the 45 yard line, would have been sacked back at midfield somewhere, give or take there. And he turns that into a touchdown. And, um, you know, that's just the kind of game-changing plays Lamar Jackson offers. And it was behind him, first and foremost, that they were able to win this game. And, uh, you know, a lot of people would say, like, you can't say he had an MVP performance because they only scored 20 points. But I believe he did because it wasn't just points, right? We're not going to look at just points all the time. You have to look at the context of these yards, the first downs that he was getting for them to really ice the game. The things that he did in the moments that he did them in were uh, – things that really kept Tennessee's offense out of rhythm and it you know it was able to sustain drives for his team Lamar finally got the playoff win monkey off his back and uh yeah it was a very impressive performance and if you if you ever doubt the value uh, value of Derrick Henry then you shouldn't because he was shut down and the Titans offense was a shell of itself scored just 13 points so that's one of the highest scoring offenses in football especially lately and um, without Derrick Henry being able to do what he does, they, you know, Derrick Henry averaged 2.2 yards a carry, right? 18 for 40. So without him being able to do what he did or what he's done all season, essentially, the Titans were not able to do much at all. I thought Hollywood Brown played phenomenally well, seven catches for 109 yards, but he just looked different in this game. He looked like a guy that's finally coming into his own, former first round pick from, I think, two years ago. And, um, <clears throat> Yeah, man, he's a he's a dangerous player, so I hope he's okay. I know he got a little banged up there at the end, but I hope he's all right. And um, on one note, look, Lamar took some sacks that he shouldn't have taken, no doubt about it. But the Baltimore Ravens offensive line still has to do a little bit of a better job protecting him moving forward because, you know, the, like I said, I'm, I'm going to say like half the sacks were on Lamar. But still, I think he was sacked like five or six times. So he's got to um, get rid of it sooner, but the – the offensive line has to do a little bit better job protecting him as well because Tennessee was a team that hasn't been able to generate a pass rush basically all season long. So that has to worry you a little bit going up next week against the Bills team that that has been able to um, – that has been much improved rushing the passer and just defensively overall. So Ravens, Bills, going to be an exciting one next week. I think Baltimore matches up much better with Buffalo than they do uh, – than they did against Tennessee. And um, But not to say I'm picking the Ravens, but we'll see. It'll be a fun game to watch. All right, Saints beat the Bears 21 to 9 and look man, this this New Orleans defense lately has just been dominating. Like they they did it against the Panthers last week and I know before that they had a couple of games where they gave up over 30 points uh back to back, but they um they were in full control of that Vikings game though. So it was kind of like some, you know, I don't want to say garbage time points, but it was some points at the end that maybe didn't really necessarily matter so much, but 
all in all, this Saints defense lately has been dominating, especially when you go look at the last eight games. It's It's been very impressive run that they're on. And um, Trubisky in this game was too patient. He he played tight. He was he was playing to not make mistakes. And um, when you do that in a game against the Saints, especially when your defense was keeping you in, and if you're the Bears, it was keeping you around. You were right there. You were right there. And then all of a sudden, you know, of course, the Saints are going to, create some separation between them and you with their offense. Eventually Alvin Kamara had 23 carries for 99 and a touchdown. Um, Breeze was efficient, solid 28 of 39, 265, two scores, zero turnovers. And um, yeah, man, the, the saints were able to just really impose their will and do whatever they had to do to get the win. I thought that again, Trubisky was too tight, was too um, careful. You know, he needed to open things up a little bit. Romo did a good job of kind of highlighting one example of that when he Trubisky didn't even look to his right or whatever and just immediately threw to the check down left instead of kind of looking at seeing what he had. And, and I understand that's those are things that really, you know, a young quarterback, Mitch is still young, is going to continue to improve on. Not everybody is, is Patrick Mahomes can come out in their second year, first year as a starter and just completely dominate. So uh, I'm not saying Trubisky will ever be an elite guy, but – he showed over the last month or so of the season that he is uh, that he at least has potential, right? That guy has a rocket arm and he's mobile. If he can get the mental processing part of the game down better, and I'm not sure if that's something he even can improve on at this point, but if that if he can, then he is a franchise quarterback. And if I'm the Chicago Bears, look, I'm I'm going to offer him a three year, fifty million dollar deal or something like that with a uh, basically an out after the first year or so. I'm going to do that because I can still draft one if I have to, right? If I, if I still find myself in position to draft one, I can do that. But I know that next season with committing to Mitch being the starter for the whole year, unless we draft a guy in the first round, in which case we'll, you know, kind of let them battle it out. But if I let, if I have Mitch on my team at least next season, I know I can compete and at least potentially make the playoffs and, you know, see what happens at that point. So I think, the, like I said, the Bears defense, they battled in this game. They, they, um, they kept everything in front of them. They didn't allow any huge plays, really. And um, they kept them in it. It's just that, unfortunately for Chicago, they weren't able to capitalize on the uh, lengthy time that they were in this game. And, uh, yeah, for them, that, that ended their season. So, again, Saints-Bucks next week. Cannot wait. And um, let's move on. The Cleveland Browns. Man, I am so happy about this game for Cleveland. Look, look. I like Pittsburgh. I just like what they're about. You know, I like the toughness and the the tradition of winning and things like that. But how could you not be happy for the Cleveland Browns? 48 to 37. They get off to a 28-0 start in the first quarter of this game. Um, you know, taking advantage of the of the Steeler mistakes and turning them into touchdowns. And that was the thing, man. They turned those mistakes into touchdowns for them. That they did not, you know, have to settle for many field goals. Um, and they didn't make the mistakes. Pittsburgh made the mistakes. Pittsburgh looked like the team that, that was not experienced in those in those kinds of games. Cleveland, despite not having their head coach, despite you know all the adversity they had to overcome, all the COVID guys, the Baker Mayfield taking, you know, he's he's being protected by guys he introduced himself to in the locker room before the game or whatever. It, you know, just crazy. Uh, it, but it just didn't matter because Cleveland right now has the mojo. They have the it factor behind them. Baker Mayfield, I should have seen this coming. Baker Mayfield loves when the odds are stacked against him. He, it just it frees him in a way where he plays so loose and he was so dialed in and he really played well in this game. I'm, I'm proud of him uh, because if you guys 
I, a lot of you probably hadn't been following me since that draft, but in that draft, I said my quarterback one is Baker Mayfield slash Josh Allen, meaning if you needed the guy to start early on in his career, I was taking Baker Mayfield. But if you needed the guy that you could potentially wait to start for two, three years, oh, I said two years. So in year three would be ideal for Allen to start. I'm, Allen has more upside. That was my take on it. So like I, I, I liked both of those guys right there at the top. And now both of those guys are obviously coming into their own in year three. Baker had a really good rookie year. Allen showed flashes in years one and two. And now this year, of course, has been dominating. But but yeah, man, the Cleveland Browns and just the efficiency and accuracy and and quick release of Baker Mayfield really look, they did this against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. You know, like I mean, that cannot be overlooked here. They did it against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. That's a legit the best defense in the NFL by many, many metrics, many by you know, whatever you want to look at, film, stats, analytics, any of it. Um this Pittsburgh Steelers defense is one of the best in the NFL, and Cleveland and Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Jarvis Landry were really able to just do whatever they wanted, and it was very impressive. Look, they just beat the Pittsburgh Steelers back-to-back weeks. You know, basically, here's the advantage when you're not resting starters, right? Cleveland was in no position to rest starters, so they played, of course, everybody last week, and they were able to eke out a win against Mason Rudolph and the Steelers. And then Ben looked like a guy that took a week off. You know, hadn't played in two weeks. So that's unfortunately what you get when you do that. I don't ever support. Look at the Buffalo Bills, for example. They still came out a little shaky early on offensively. Um, and that's mainly because they didn't play the second half of last week's game. I just think it's so much more valuable to play your starters. I just really believe that, man. And and it's like, you know, yeah, there's a 5, 10, 15% chance you're going to lose somebody big, you know, important to your, to your winning. But uh, you know, it's it's a tough decision. I understand Mike Tomlin, especially with Ben being older. But um, overall, man, I just think that it's worth it. Cleveland came out obviously more in a rhythm, right? And they came out, and that rhythm led to them not making mistakes. And they didn't make any mistakes, and Pittsburgh did. So, look, let's talk about Nick Chubb for a second, just the absolute stud that this guy is. Um, what a – he is so deceptively elusive. Like, when he – when you see him juke somebody, it doesn't look like anything special. But when you see what it does the guys over and over again, week in, week out, and the big play, he just is becoming known for creating that gigantic play every week now. You just see it. Like, give him the touches. He will turn it into one game-changing play because he's just that good. 22 touches, 145 yards, and a touchdown in this game. And that game-changing touchdown in this game came at the absolute perfect time for Cleveland, it really put the game just a little too much out of reach for Pittsburgh. Um, after Mike Tomlin, unfortunately, didn't go for it on fourth and one. Look, the steel at that point in the game, the Steelers' offense was rolling. Right, they were finally okay. We got the cobwebs out. We're playing well now. And then Mike Tomlin lets the drive stall out fourth and one, punts the ball. It results in the worst possible, almost the worst possible case scenario where it's a touchback. Cleveland then goes down, scores the touchdown, wins the game. Um, and yeah, man, that's unfortunate way for the Steelers season to end, especially after an 11-0 start. Um, Jarvis Landry was incredibly clutch, five catches, 92 yards, and a score. And, you know, just my opinion, well, first of all, let me get back to that Tomlin play. Absolutely the wrong call there. And I'm saying the wrong call because it's the wrong call. Like, I'm not saying, like, oh, I understand. Like, I understand what he was thinking. We pin him deep. We get the wall right back. We got the whole fourth quarter. We're down two scores. I get that. But in that case, man, you are – leaving yourself vulnerable to what happened. And when that happens, if that happens, you lose, right? So 
Unfortunately for them, that's what happened. I don't think Tom made the right call. And I understand from the thought process of we suck in short yarded situations. So we're just going to, you know, not going to let the momentum swing back to them. I get that. But, and I understand the field position thought behind it. But unfortunately, you left yourself vulnerable to, you really rejuvenated the Cleveland Browns, right? And they were able to say, hey, you know, now we need to go put this team away. And we just got an opportunity of a lifetime to do it. And they went 75 yards in like two and a half minutes and, and scored there. So, um, you know, I think when you looked at Ben Roethlisberger at the end of that game, to me, he's either very hardly contemplating retirement or that's a guy that knows he just played his last snaps and he was just sitting there like pretty bummed out. So hopefully Ben plays one more year, but I could totally see him hanging it up. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he played one of his best seasons ever, statistically speaking, second most touchdown passes uh, of his career. And he would have probably broken that record had he played week 17. But um, so, yeah, man, I mean, I hope Ben doesn't retire, but I could definitely see him retiring, especially um, just the way he was sitting there after that game. I, I don't know if he does that typically, um, but I think he still has gas left in the tank. But at some point, you know, he um, he might just say, hey, enough's enough. So. Anyways, Cleveland Browns, Kansas City Chiefs next week. Cannot wait for that matchup. Baker Mayfield versus Mahomes. If Baker likes being the underdog, well, this is a perfect opportunity for him to go back into that I'm the underdog role and uh, try and play the game of his life next week in Kansas City. But no matter what, Cleveland fans, you guys just beat Pittsburgh in back-to-back weeks, and one of them was in the playoffs in Pittsburgh. So you deserve to celebrate the hell out of this. And uh, I'll celebrate it with you. So anyways, guys, I appreciate you for listening to this podcast. I will be back hopefully tomorrow with some more. And uh, yeah, see you soon.